Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. New Year, new look. New Year, new look. For you or for me? For both of us. Same look. (laughs) I mean, I did shave before the before the holidays okay and you're keeping the beard trim these days yeah you work for work for the mothership the diocese and they say yeah. no radical beard kind of a big deal now <laughs> my face is on all these posters and stuff just always got to be ready yeah if anybody's in the diocese of dallas make sure to look in whatever narthex or area the churches are and see <laughs> father paul in the bottom there and just critique his smile and his... It's, it's a rough picture. <laughs> <laughs> Looks was, like you just woke up and you're like... I was like, having a tired day. You're I'd, having... I'd been awake, but it was one of... I, I remember it very distinctly. It was a caffeine-heavy, like, <laughs> sleep-deprived day. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. So, t- so 2022. Mm, yeah. Any... Do you do resolutions? Do you do anything or like evaluate or say, here are some goals or here are some ideas to start the year? Uh, I mean, sort of. Not really. I don't make a big deal out of it. I did preach um, at a parish and sort of just wrote. <laughs> Not saying it. Yeah. Somewhere. I don't know why I'm keeping it secret. Somewhere. <laughs> um, and my action item, one of them, uh, when I made my sort of vocation pitch at the end to like, by the right. way, I'm vocation director. If you know anyone discerning, or if you see me on the poster, that's how to contact me. <laughs> the info's on the poster. Um, I said, "Hey, maybe we can all do a New Year's resolution together. Pray three Hail Marys for vocations every day." Mm. I'm not giving you an option. We're doing this together. All right. Um, you just like so, asserted your yeah. New Year's resolution <laughs> right. on everybody. I declared it at a mass. I don't know. I you, you know that I self-correct a lot when I'm preaching or speaking yeah. publicly and. And it was another one of those situations where it's like, should we dialogue about this? No, we can't because we're at mass. It doesn't work like that. But then you were thinking about it and you're like, should I bring it back up and say, you can really decide on your own. You don't have to pray for vocation. You don't have to do it like just because I said it. But (laughs) I wish I could have been there. (laughs) It was I thought the uh, the early mass was fine. But then I was running out of steam. Two masses in one day is. Oh, man. Oh, man. Brutal. So, Brutal. Yeah. Um, and you went on, uh, just to give our listeners your whole life story, yeah. you went on a conference I did. during I, the break. I went to the Encounter Ministries Conference. Um, and in that's in Michigan? Michigan and Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. Now, is that affiliated with, uh, what's the church? Christ the King Redeemer, one of those? I don't like know. Like Ave... <laughs> <laughs> 2022 that New was year, just the and we're off to a great falling smart, very um, professional ave maria law school is up there Are so they? when ave maria started before i think so and unless we have some alum who is a listener and will correct me is i believe this is the story the guy who founded domino's pizza tom monahan okay he either was Catholic always or had a conversion or something, wanted to fund like a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And I think it started with Ave Maria Law School in Michigan in Grand Rapids and then moved to 
building, I think it's like the town of Ave Maria now in Florida, right? Is yeah, it a own town? I think it's uh, incorporated or whatever you call when it becomes a town. <laughs> a town. <laughs> and so... Enculturated? Yeah, so I, I just didn't Definitely know if there's any affiliation there. But I have no idea. Okay. I don't think that they have this conference there every time. Oh, okay. I think it moves around. Got it. But that was a cool story you just told. Though. Yeah, there you go. And so is Michigan cold? Yeah, it was cold, but not as cold as like all the winter clothes I brought for it. Did it snow? Um, barely. Barely? That's cool, though. Yeah, I thought it was nice. Um, and what? Went for, went for a long walk at one point, and that walk was pretty cold. Uh, Around Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> yeah, through the like industrial district. <laughs> it was like, you know, all those warehouses that you can find in oh, parts yeah. of Dallas. Um, my it net was like team, walking down that kind of area. <laughs> I actually know Grand Rapids decently because my net team, the year uh, we were on net, we were assigned to the Diocese of Grand Rapids for like six weeks. So we did retreats there like every day for six weeks. So um, I don't remember like streets or that, but I do remember this very northeast industrial feel, kind of like Pittsburgh yeah. area, you know, things like that. I don't know if you've been to Pittsburgh, but... Uh, I don't know what you're talking really? about. But Haven't been to Pittsburgh? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. I okay. didn't know there were rivers in Pittsburgh until very recently. That's why their old stadium was called Three Rivers Stadium. Didn't wow. Know that. I thought there were two rivers, actually. Oh, my God. And wasn't Batman Begins, wasn't that filmed in Pittsburgh? Didn't I read that? Which with all the that? bridges. That's like the new. Remember that was the one the with Christian Bale. The new Batman's. Bale. 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 Christian Bale. 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 <laughs> Somebody will correct us. Anyway, so, so. I want to get to the point of this conference. It wasn't like probably, and you know, you go to a lot of conferences. Sure. You know, you go to a lot of priest days, retreats. I go to vocation retreats, director conferences now. Yeah. I go to biblical scholarship things. Was um, this different than you've ever experienced? It was. It was very different. <laughs> so it's give a, our listeners a little, uh, okay. what, what's essentially, um, like, what's the point of going and what's the, okay. what's the background? What's the charism? So, yeah, nice lead. So there were, there were a bunch of kind of St. Anne's staff and, and people that went and it was a, a charismatic conference. Encounter mm. Ministries is a is just a very charismatic, like part of the charismatic movement kind of thing. Although I don't know, I guess they're like a later generation of that. So I don't know how they would define themselves, but, right. but it was, it was a series of talks and times to pray and, um, yeah, just very like Catholic charismatic, which I found very interesting. I had a great experience there, Okay, but it does tap back into our sort of tradismatic. Yeah. Uh, were you wearing the cassock from completely different cultures i was there were about <laughs> so, 70 priests there that's awesome i actually knew a lot of them and there were plenty of cassocks nice so, so tradismatic tradismatic yeah um for the average person who i feel like you okay you've been around some charismatic things and we're not going to go deep into this this podcast because we've done that before but like even like our adoration on high school retreats or like mission trip like you've seen people raise their hands you've probably uh, maybe you've seen people speak in tongues or pray over somebody in tongues prayer teams I mean it's not like you've seen nothing but if I saw correctly from some of the videos I saw um, this reminds me of like we're talking like very charismatic like 
like the groups that people I feel like struggle with to say, is this authentic? Because mm. it's like so like at times overwhelming in the room. Is that, is that like at all true? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think just over the last two years, I've like dipped my foot more and more into the charismatic end of the pool. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was, I was more used to it. Like I've done a lot of reading over the last two years. Um, You like to read? Um, (laughs) Sorry. I don't know why. (laughs) I'm on 2022. My jokes are going and flowing. Um, Yeah. I didn't know how to answer that. That's why. Anyway, um, yeah, so I've done a lot of reading in order, uh, in large part, to like figure out, okay, I, I can't ignore this part of Catholicism anymore. Because as, <laughs> as a priest assigned at St. Anne, like there's, there's a lot of sort of charismatic stuff here. Mm. Um, at least a lot more than I've been exposed to before. So it's, all right, I need to, to make a, a personal synthesis of this and, and a judgment, like, do I think that this is good? Do I think that this is harmful and very misguided? Do I think that this is something neutral? Like, where do I stand as a priest assigned to this parish? And yeah. so, like, my reading, I've read a lot of uh, Cantalamesa, Raniero oh, Cantalamesa. So good. Um, who Sober Intoxication is, of the Spirit. Yeah, that's, that's one of his books. And he's very, very good at setting, like, charismatic stuff within the the sort of greater stream of tradition of the church. And that was very helpful for me. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of that stuff kind of prepared me for this. So this actually didn't seem like that outlandish okay. or um, surprising or yeah. like maybe two years ago, I would have sort of like walked away and just mm. sat in a cafe the whole time or something. <laughs> um, and but it, the, would, the way I would describe yeah. it is the, the particular thing about the charismatic movement is that they're always referencing the Holy Spirit. And yeah. they're saying the Holy Spirit is very, very active um, mm-hmm. in the church and wants to be very, very active in the life of every believer. Yep. Um, and sometimes that's in very subtle ways, mm-hmm. uh, like ways that we've already experienced, mm-hmm. um, but just maybe didn't have the same term for. Yeah. Um, so they'll they'll talk about things like giving a prophetic word. Yeah. Um that's something that I've experienced a lot in my ministry but I never would have called it that. Ah. Uh, um so it's giving like the vocabulary and so to it. Some of it's the of vocabulary it, yeah. and then recognizing this could be a gift that the Holy Spirit wants to use to work to build up the church and so this is something that I can also ask for. Right. Um so those kind of things and the, the founder priest, I guess I'm going kind of deeper into yeah, this maybe, fine. but but the priest who founded that, his name is Father Matthias Thielen, and he gave kind of a story. Who founded Encounter Encounter Ministries. Encounter okay. Ministries. Um, he gave some of his story, and he talked about like having some, some very profound encounters with God's mercy um, mm. and with the, the forgiveness and the love of God in, in ways that sound very biblical, like how St. Paul talks about the love of God being poured out into our heart through the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, and then he said later, he realized that 
those were some moments of what charismatics would call being baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? Being plunged into the Holy Spirit. He didn't know what to call it then, um, and then knowing kind of what this looked like, he was also able to to pray for it more specifically. Just this desire to be plunged into God's mercy, right? Um, and through that, to to have all of the sacramental grace that he'd received at baptism and confirmation, sort of unleashed and and that's a very Thomistic idea as well mm-hmm. that like we can receive the sacraments but in proportion to our faith um the grace of that sacrament becomes fruitful in our life mm-hmm. um and so that's a that's, that's just a really quick summary of like some of the things that I'd learned coming into this right that I saw affirmed when I was there and that made me more comfortable in that in that context which as we've said many times like I'm coming from a different part of the, <laughs> yeah. of, of the spirituality of the church. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I found his story really reminded me a lot of like my conversion mm. and uh, the way God was active in my life. So early um, in that sort of coming back to the faith where right. I received the sacraments as as a, a lifelong Catholic at sort of the normal times in childhood right. and had never really had a personal faith or I'd say like a living faith yeah. in any, uh, in any real way. And then I drifted away. And then when I came back, um, it was through this encounter of God's mercy and confession. Yeah. And then that sort of plunged me into this, this desire to pray and this desire to go to mass every day and learning yeah. what the Eucharist was and just, falling in love with God and in the midst of that experiencing like a new outpouring of God's mercy and activity in my life. Yeah. Um, and so like, I, I would say, like he said about his life, I would say like those were moments of being baptized, plunged uh, into the power of the Holy spirit, but then um, being able to put some terms on those now um, does kind of change the way you look at it in the way the way you pray also. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I think we've talked about it a little bit, but to make my story really short. Um, yeah, I grew up in a very traditional parish, like organ, piano, all of that on Sunday. Um, Piano's not that traditional. Oh, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> organ. Um, <laughs> when we sang the Ave Jazz Maria, piano. yeah, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> Uh, when we uh, sang the uh, Ave Maria a little bit quicker, that was charismatic to me. So, um, but yeah, grew up more traditional parish and somehow made it into net, fooled them. And when I got there, like I hadn't ever seen anything. And net is pretty much along the lines of encounter. And um, so very expressive praise, different things like that. And uh, yeah, very much a, second conversion and bunch of things. And so, yeah, never kind of turned back. But what I hope for people to just kind of close this and go to more of our topic for today is I just hope there's mutual respect at same t- sometime. Like that there's respect of like, I can go to a Latin mass or I can go to um, and hear the organ and hear a beautiful uh, choir sing and appreciate it. Or, like, that somebody can also appreciate the charismatic movement 
in the church as well, you know? Um, and I just don't see that respect as much right now on both sides, from both sides. Yeah. Um, and so that's just something I hope for in the church. Um, yeah, and just to, to add one more word to it and prolong this conversation <laughs> much Great. longer than we did. Love it. But um, like there's a, there's a lot of criticisms that are thrown at uh, the charismatic group that I think I'd, I'd certainly been around like yeah. accusations of being overly emotional yeah. or working oneself up into a hysteria somehow. Yeah. Is it um, authentic? Yeah. And like, I definitely saw people who were acting weirdly who, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you do see that in different ways in every circle. And right. so I don't know. My experience was, was very good. Like when, when, uh, some of the most powerful moments of prayer for me, and it was a really powerful couple days for me, um, just brought about a real interior silence and peace. Like, mm-hmm. and the way they they sort of framed the whole thing, they're like, "That's absolutely fine. Just receive what the Lord has to give you." Yeah. And in fact, like this this idea that. Uh, the Holy Spirit's not active unless you're doing like these sort of crazy things Yeah, um, is a really misguided idea. Like God is going to work how he wants in each of us. And for me being flooded with his grace in some of those moments just made me very, very quiet, Mm -hmm. but peaceful and joyful and just kind of capable of, of just being there in the midst of other people who were very excited or, who like the love of God made them want to dance. Right. I don't know if that's ever really happened to me. Right. I've never wanted to dance. Right. <laughs> like ever. <laughs> ever. Just like <laughs> as a person. <laughs> and so like no it, dancing in Bermuda. It was it was good to go to something like that. Yeah. Uh, both because it was just the time to pray was really good for me, but also to to see like, okay, um, there's a little truth to every stereotype. But there's also yeah. a lot of falsehood to every stereotype, and yeah. it, it doesn't always give give credit. I I saw a lot of people who were really in love with God right. and who wanted God to be even more at work in their life. Yeah, um, yeah. that's so, cool. Yeah, it was good. What's a little sad to me is that somebody would be more open to probably like the average Catholic. Let's just go there for one second. The average Catholic. Um, or maybe I'll pose it to you as a question. Do you think the average Catholic would be more open to sitting in a Latin mass or experiencing um, maybe one of those sessions at Encounter? Yeah, I would say I'd say definitely the former, but just because... Um, it's unfamiliar. We don't see it, right? Well, and it... Like to attend a Latin mass well means making like a real interior gift of self and mm-hmm. union with the sacrifice. Like it's not just sitting back passively. Right. It's it's really like giving yourself in prayer. Right. Um, Which is so funny. That same, is the exact same line I would use for like true, authentic, yeah, charismatic exactly. worship is like... It's it's, the same interior yeah. movement that's manifest in different ways. But I think when people find sort of a, a comfort level in one and not in the other. Mm-hmm. Some of that may just be 
personality, like, and, um, I don't know, but, but I think, I think you can, you can sort of have an anonymity in the, in the pews and in the silence, right? Which can, can mask, I don't know, like a a lack of devotion, I guess. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I can't think of how to put it, but. But yeah, definitely, definitely the former. Great. Um, um, thanks for asking about me. I have a New Year's resolution. <laughs> yeah. Um, How are you doing? Great drink more water. Okay. And yeah. so one glass a day. <laughs> Honestly, the first day I drank like what was it? Sixteen ounces of water. I, I'm sh- our listeners are cringing. I'm sure because here's the thing, folks. Coffee, when you look at it, is really water. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee so dehydrates you. Yeah, that's what that's the alleged thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's what I'm finding out. I think I am kind of I have such a heightened taste bud that tap water kind of bothers me. Mm. It's like I can taste the impurities in tap water. You ever have that? No. You've never tasted like you're telling me you when you drink water in Bermuda or water here, you don't taste a difference. I taste a difference, but that's just because like the water in Bermuda is very sort of hard water, limestone. Okay. Same with the water in Rome. Okay. Uh, very calcium heavy. So would you have to like put a lemon or a lime or something in? No. No, you just go straight. What about cold, lukewarm? I can do either. Oh gosh. I mean, the first day, I I felt bloated after 16 ounces of water. I was just, like, <laughs> done. So, yeah, I'm working my way up to the recommended, I don't know, what do they say? Don't they say 64? I don't know. Some doctor or nurse is eight, probably eight listening. Eight glasses, 64, yeah. 64, right? 64 ounces. But then I've also heard half of your weight in ounces, right? That's more than 64. Right. So I don't know. Maybe somebody can correct us. So I, fa- I found putting like half a lime in a glass of water can can help if you're not feeling like drinking water. Yeah. I'm thinking about what about just making lime juice and then putting a little water in. A little water. Just a dash of just water. Make Gatorade and yeah, call it water. Exactly. Well, I mean you use water. <laughs> so yes i've been drinking i just have to go cold ice cold bottled water just chug it down to get it in then it starts me on the day that's a that's a beautiful start to the day yeah it's it's important to get the morning right 2022 it's gonna be a good year okay so somebody wrote in and asked this question i'm intrigued by it i'm intrigued by your thoughts on it i think it brings up um, good follow-up from some of our previous ones to start the year. So anonymous, uh, we have a lot of anonymous, um, but we love you all. Hey guys, so happy y'all are back. I'm currently trying to overcome a particular habitual sin. Recently, I've been trying to develop a more consistent prayer life. Great. However, when I give in to this sin, I have a really hard time turning back to prayer. And it is not until after going to confession that I can feel I can get back on track with my personal prayer. I was wondering if you could talk about what prayer can look like 
when you're in a state of mortal sin. I feel so far from God in these moments, but also know that consistent prayer is crucial for overcoming sin. So I think this touches on like multiple things, really good things. Um, something we've never talked about, that term habitual sin. Mm. And I'm curious on um, just your thoughts on it. The church is teaching on it. What do we really mean by that? What is that? Um, um, yeah, what does that mean for us as Catholics? But then also they bring up such a good point that I see so much in youth, parents, any age, mm-hmm. which is when we sin, we double down and we say we're terrible and we just turn away from that prayer time instead of leaning into it and running back, mm-hmm. right? Um, so let's dive in. Let's talk about habitual sin. Um, what would... I'm, I'm getting the face right now. Do you not like the term? No, no, it's a good term. I'm just trying to think of of how to how to explain this succinctly. Um, well, so <laughs> without like beginning at the beginning. So, right, right, right. So an act which requires... Right, right, right. Uh, well... Intellect and will is a human action. um, But but good for us to distinguish, and this will come in, I think. A venial sin weakens our relationship. A mortal sin, like, separates us from God. Yeah. Okay. So just want to get that out there as just... Yeah. Mortal means death. Right. It means something that kills. That's what St. James talks about. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it doesn't separate us from God in the sense that, like... God no longer loves us, right. but it means that we've turned away in a definitive way, severing our relationship right. with him. Right. Um, and three things are necessary, right? Grave matter, mm-hmm. that you so know it it's wrong. it has to be serious. Yeah. You have to know that, yeah, you have to have knowledge of it. Knowledge of it, and you have to actually commit the sin. You have to have freedom. Yeah. So, um, like, sin is in the will. Sin is, is something that's done by free choice. Right. Um, and so if somebody forces you to do something, then what happens may be a bad thing, but you're not responsible because it wasn't your free choice. Right. A lot of people think that uh, bad thoughts, like impure thoughts coming through their head are sinful because they're nasty thoughts. Mm-hmm. But if your will doesn't engage with them, then you're not committing a sin. It's right. just on the level of a temptation or something like clouds passing over the sky. Uh, you have to engage things yeah. with the will. You turn it back it to, to the Lord and, and say, I give this to you, God, and right, like reflect yeah. to him in that moment. And the reason I just go through that definition and what makes a mortal sin is because I think it's often like people have two things that they hear about habitual sin, right? Like, okay, if it's a habitual sin, it negates the mortal sin. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. I've heard that said. I'm not saying that's correct. Mm-hmm. Or the other is that... Like they're just so deep in it, they turn away from God, and they're like, I, "I'm not, you know, I might as well not go back to Him until I can figure this out." Right? Like, mm-hmm. there's two varying things. I think some ways we like negate it, and some ways we just pour into it and say, "Well, I'm no good." I'm yeah. What is it like, uh, Luther? I'm I'm dung covered uh, with snow. <laughs> with right? Snow. Right? Right? Like he said that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's a good way to frame it. So to the first, um, like there's a world in which somebody could be so addicted to something that they don't have freedom at all anymore. I think that's kind of a dangerous judgment to make about yourself. Like St. Paul would would talk about being able to judge himself, not regards habitual sin, but Mm -hmm. just regards like 
an accurate assessment of God's grace at work in his life. Right. Um, and say like, I dare not judge myself. Um, and I think that should be true of us uh, when it comes to to things like excusing ourselves as saying, I'm addicted, I have no freedom right. in this. Um, but we do have to understand that because sin is related to the freedom of the will, the less freedom of the will we have, the less culpability right. or grave sin we incur. So that's a, that's a real thing, but I, I would just caution against like being too quick to to jump to well I'm addicted. Right. And so therefore But I'll be honest, okay. as as a lay person, there's been times that I've confessed sins and people be, like I've had I've had priests go the opposite of as well. And and I mean there's a human element there where the oh, priests are like, you know, yeah. so and not to bring it muddy I'm, it up. That's but, part you know. of why I'm throwing it out there because I've I've heard plenty of that about advice that priests give, and I think that they're misguided. Yeah. Like maybe it's a it's coming out of compassion. Right. But I think it's maybe a, a misguided compassion or at least a compassion that can't know the state of the soul of that individual. Yeah. And in providing too easy of a of an out, like doesn't encourage them to to like grapple and struggle against this sin. Yeah. Like they see the okay, so let me let me say it like this. The devil is always trying to get us to despair. That's mm-hmm. his end game. Um, the actual sin, sins are bad. Sins are really horrible. But we can always recover yeah. from sin. Like we, we can. We can't recover from persistent despair, right? A final despair yep. that believes to the end that God cannot forgive me, that I'm not worthy of his love. And that turns away from him definitively, like that's the that's the really bad effect right. that our sins can have right. is to to just solidify us into that mindset. Um, and I think that's also the traditional definition of the sin against the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that Christ says is unforgivable. It's right. unforgivable because what it means is it's a state where we refuse to ask for forgiveness we believe that we will never be free of this god doesn't care about me god doesn't want to forgive me or he can't right um so that's the devil's end game yeah um and anything that leads us down that path of of despair or despondency or fear of God in an unhealthy way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is something that's leading us into the devil's snare. Um, and I think that's how that's that's maybe a, a helpful way to to frame this discussion about about sin because we can always turn back to God um, right. and receive his mercy. Like St. Paul talks about where sin abounds, grace abounds. abounds all the more. Yeah, um, I love it. And like, it's easy for us to think about that. Maybe when it comes to like Christ dying on the cross to make salvation available mm-hmm. for those who uh, who choose to believe in Him, right? Um, and to accept that gift. Maybe it's easy for us to think about like him undoing the sin of Adam and Eve, but not just undoing it uh, by redeeming us, like 
making his grace abound all the more. But I think it's really hard for people to to think of that as applying also to their own sins. Um, to like, if somebody is stuck in a habitual just snare of mortal sin and they keep falling into it, right? to really believe that God can cause his grace to abound all the more mm-hmm. in that situation, that he can use that situation for his glory. Yeah. Not that he causes it or leads us into it. Right. Um, but that he can like work an even greater grace in that moment. Um, I mean, that's to believe that is to have hope. Right. Um, and that's actually the, the beginning of being able to escape from that snare. Right. Is to actually have a real hope that, God not only wants to forgive me in some abstract way or can do this, but that he is doing it. Yeah. Like that he's doing it right now. Yeah. Um, And that every time that I struggle against that habitual sin or turn back to him uh, after having fallen Mm -hmm. um, is like him weakening that snare. Yeah. Uh, St. Augustine has a, a really powerful description of this in his Confessions which is a book that he wrote. It's kind of an autobiography. It's not just a list of his sins. <laughs> like he wrote down <laughs> what he said in the confessional. Um, is a threefold meaning, the confession there. But but he talks about how he, in his conversion, he'd gotten to the point where he really wanted to leave his sinful past life behind. Um, in particular, this... Uh, this relationship with a woman that he wasn't married to. Yeah. Um, and he started praying like, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. Because he also, <laughs> he also recognized that like he wanted to give it up, but he didn't want to give it up. Yeah. And there was this real struggle within him. And it's, it's very much like St. Paul describes the war in our members and yeah. Romans and Galatians. And, um, and so St. Augustine describes this as like twisting and turning in these chains and feeling like he's getting nowhere and just getting tired of twisting and turning and fighting. But then God's grace prompt, prompting him at these different moments, like, don't give up, don't give up, right. leading him into hope. And then by a word, those chains break, they fall. He he's, he describes it as hearing these words tole lege, take and read in Latin, and so he picks up the the scriptures and he reads something from Saint Paul saying not in drunkenness or licentiousness or it it's a it's a list of these different sins and he says but put on the what the armor of the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. um, and he found like God's grace moves so powerfully through those words that it was like it just finally broke those chains and then looking back he can see what an impact it had that he kept struggling like that they were being weakened he didn't realize it um but they were being weakened and in large part because this desire to be free was growing within him this hope was growing within him that's what caused the chains to weaken yeah and so it's a it's a it's a very hard thing for people who are caught in those snares, and there's a lot of people who are caught in those snares. Yeah, I see them all the time in the confessional, in spiritual direction, just 
that's All those different things. Yeah. Like the devil is very clever and yeah. he's used things that are promoted as desirable or even good in our culture to just lead people into being trapped yeah. and his end game is to lead them into despair that they can never be free. Yeah. Um, it was reminding me of uh, the Romans five, five when you were um, talking, but five, three through five, 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 six, it says not only that, but we even boast in our afflictions, knowing that affliction produces endurance and endurance, proven character, proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy spirit that has been given to us for Christ. While we were still helpless yet died at the appointed time for the ungodly. Yeah. I just, I mean, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. I just, and, and I want to reiterate in that, that I mean, yeah, the moment we say, well, I'll never get over this. I'll never, you know, I can't, can't do it anymore. Like you just, just echo what you said. The devil wants us to do that. He wants us, mm -hmm. he wants to isolate us and he wants us to give up. And yeah. so like first encouragement and habitual sin, do not do that. I also want to encourage what you said in the beginning, which is just be careful and talk to several priests. Um, if you feel like you've gotten bad advice on like, oh yeah, you just, it, it's okay. You can't overcome this. Yeah, you know? everybody so, does that. Yeah, everybody does that. Now on the other part though, two practical things of advice and I'll let you add in as well is when we're struggling because they articulated it well, I know I need to go to prayer. I know, I know I need to go to the living source, right? Like, but I don't want to until I go to confession. Well, confession isn't a bad thing and there's a lot of places that offer it every day. So we're able to go quite often, right? So um, I'm not saying that is a bad thing, but what I would say is similar to how I described kind of drinking water. It's like, I knew like, I knew I had to open the bottle. I just have to chug it down. I have to do it because this is going to help me. It's going to, you know, improve me, health, all of those things. Like, what are you doing to be held accountable to your daily prayer? Like me and a few of my friends um, at different times, and right now we haven't been so good on it. And something as a reminder to me to be better, like we'll have, a, there's an app called Habit Share. Mm -hmm. You can share your habits that you do. And one of them is daily prayer. You know, not saying I'm not doing my daily prayer, but what I am saying is I forget to check in or do this. But it's good because then I have friends that say, hey, notice you haven't been praying. Mm -hmm. So who is holding you accountable? I would say one thing of like going to the Lord among this. You know, do you have holy Christian friends there walking beside you saying like, yeah, hey, no matter what the sin, you still have to be praying, still turning to the Lord. Yeah. And the second is, um, yeah, to, to go to that sacrament of confession as soon as possible. <laughs> like mm -hmm. if there's something else, like besides, you know, I, I don't know what could be more important than, okay, like just run to it. Don't, don't walk, just run to it, you know, find it. So I don't know if you wanted to add anything on that question of saying like, yeah. how do we, how do we turn towards that prayer, especially when we're among that sin? Yeah, um, I would I would add three things. Uh, <laughs> just three quick things, <laughs> just everybody. Three quick things for the next twenty five minutes. Um, <laughs> first, so I don't bury the lead. Um, a friend of mine made a website, which is really, really just practical, helpful um, for 
I think he's got three like common situations that people can feel ensnared in. Mm. Um, and it's the, the name of the website is his mercy endures.org. Okay. His mercy endures.org, not his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures.org. Um, does it cost money? No, it's free. Oh, darn it's it. It's free. He's a, we could have offered a promo code like <laughs> that's right. Got Joey kick, and Paul gotten kick, <laughs> kickbacks. 20, 20% off. If you enter Joey and Paul yeah. check out, <laughs> I want kickbacks. No, he's, it's a good website. Like I wish I'd made it so I could like promote my own. So you could say I made it. It's, it's what I want right. in, in a website. He's a good friend of mine for priest for the diocese of Austin. Um, but his mercyendorse.org has a lot of really helpful practical advice, including emphasizing strongly that point you made about accountability. Like just psychologically, that's one of the most important things we can do mm-hmm. to give ourselves the support we need to break free of any bad habit, but especially sinful bad habits, which can cause so much shame. Um, the second is to turn back to God immediately as soon as po- as you possibly can and not to give yourself any sort of period of just wallowing in mm-hmm. in the sin or feeling sorry for yourself or whatever like this is a chance to grow in experiential humility which is i mean God can make his grace abound in that moment when mm-hmm. we turn back to him in prayer it's just as simple as saying, like, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. <laughs> I I feel it. Here it is. I, I am a sinner, and I need you as my Savior. Yeah. I cannot save myself. And I, I see that right now. I thought I was stronger, but I desperately need your salvation. Like, yeah. that's that's it. That's that's the prayer that you need to make in the moment. Yeah. Um, and that can can be so powerful in helping to break those chains and increase mm-hmm. that hope and that desire yeah. for, uh, to be free. Um, and the third thing is, um, is not to neglect going to mass, mm. even if you can't receive communion. Uh, I think we have just, we as in the church over the last several decades has, promoted the value of receiving Jesus Christ in the Eucharist so much and it's obviously an incredible good right that we've lost sight of the good of going to mass without being able to receive communion right um the mass is the most powerful prayer that we have and to come as a sinner recognizing that you're a sinner and to join yourself together with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that is made present in the Mass, in humility, and then to make that act of humility of not receiving communion, because, I mean, I can't tell you how many people will confess receiving communion even though they knew they shouldn't. Right. Um, And it's out of shame. I understand. It's embarrassing. Um, But... Oh, the the grace that can come from that act of humility and faith in the promises of God, like that if we stay to his truth, his truth will set us free. Mm -hmm. It's a powerful thing. Yeah. Like that's, I don't know, that's, those are my three 
three pieces of advice, I guess, is hismercyendorse.org. Right. As far as like helping you recognize the occasion yeah. of sin, avoid it, take appropriate steps um, right. to help create some some freedom from this uh, this habit mm-hmm. um, that allows you like at least a little breathing room to be able to right. to act. Um, and I mean, to pray oh, in no. the moment. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm taking ahead. a long time to summarize. But, <laughs> but yeah, hismercyendorse.org to pray in the moment for forgiveness and then commit yourself to like continuing your your normal prayers. And maybe you'll yeah. feel differently in them. Maybe there'll be still a sense of shame, but right. you're turning towards the author of life. Like read read Luke 15 about the uh, the prodigal son. Yeah. Um, his... First, his his licentiousness, his wantonness, drives him out into this this foreign land. But then yeah. his shame, at first, prevents him from coming back. And his father runs to him and embraces him before he can even finish his confession, which he's been re- rehearsing ad nauseum. Like that's a symbol of the love of God for us. It wants he wants to run out and to meet us, right? Even before the appropriate time, right? Um, and when we turn back to him. And uh, don't, like Adam and Eve in the garden, hide ourselves in fear. Um, like his his forgiveness can be at work in this anticipatory way. Yeah. That's leading us, preparing us for the sacrament confession, but also helping to, to free us from these things. Um, and then the, the third point um, about not neglecting to go to Mass either and recognizing it's the most powerful prayer that we have. Yeah. Um, just a one final point, I guess, to offer on that is um, one sub point of sub. Yeah, point one three. sub point. Going back to a uh, point one a, <laughs> we're now in one a alpha, um, and that's like there's a recognizable, a studied psychological effect when we have binary situations, like it's either green or it's red, it's good or it's bad, it's one or it's zero. That's the binary computer thing, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it a lot when people go on diets, like, oh shoot, in a moment of temptation, I ate that cookie. I've broken my diet. What the heck? I guess I'll just eat the whole bag of cookies. <laughs> Do like, cookies come in a bag? That's my question <laughs> from this. The kind of what? cookies I get. <laughs> British cookie. I don't know. Oh, there you um, go. Biscuits. Pepperidge Farm. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> The box, I don't know. The okay, tray. just go for it. Yes, um, yes, the binary. It's important to recognize that that is how our brain works. And that's how it works when we fall from the the one, I guess, of state of grace into the, the ze- excuse me, the zero of, <laughs> too many cookies out of that bag this yeah, morning. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the zero of mortal sin. Right. Um, we can have that same reaction of, what does it matter anymore? What the heck? I'm going to go confession anyway. And just sort of like dive into that sin. Um, that's not a true thing. Yeah. Just like it's not true for your diet that it doesn't matter like how many more cookies you have. Yeah, It's not true for your soul um, that like once you cross over from the green to the red, it doesn't matter what you do. Like it really does. You have an opportunity for repentance, for humility, for God's grace and forgiveness to break through mm-hmm. and turning back to him. But 
in turning away from him further and indulging in that sin further, it further strengthens the chains. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I guess just to recognize, like, this is a studied thing psychologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it applies to a lot of parts of our lives. Yep. Don't forget about that uh, when it comes to, to the life of grace. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm done. Now you're done. So I think we've held people hostage long <laughs> enough. Yeah. So we'll just, we'll close there. We'll, we'll go into our next few uh, podcasts. Uh, maybe we'll bring back what you're reading, watching, thinking, you know, oh, with yeah. the new year, all of I that. I like so, to read. Yeah, keep those questions coming. We love them. We're praying for you all. Um, stanamparish.org slash PTP or prodigalandthepriest at gmail.com. Have a happy new year. Take care. God bless.